0: your name. Thank you for the anointing of your spirit in this place this evening. Thank you because you are with us. Your presence is mighty here. Indeed, our worship rises to you. Indeed, we ask that you take your place. Your name alone be glorified. Thank you, Father, because you will reveal yourself to us. You will reveal your truth to us. Your counsel will be made clear. Skills and veils will be taken off our eyes and Jesus will be revealed in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for everyone and the sound of my voice this evening, for the work being done on your hearts to receive the word. Thank you because we all will be forever changed and all praise will be unto your name for in Jesus' name we have worshipped. Come on, come on. Is that the best you've got? In Jesus' name we have worshipped. Amen, wherever you are, if you can, if you can, jam your hands together and give the Lord a big shout. Glory to God, glory to God. Good evening to you, and thank you so much for tuning in this evening. It's going to be a wonderful time in God's Word as we continue our conversation on renewing the mind. Quick announcement, and I think the biggest announcement will be that this Sunday the physical space reopens um, for us to gather in person. I can't wait. Um, I don't know if you've invited anyone yet, but please do get your phones out. Use your social media for Jesus. All right. And the interesting thing is these people are going to be grateful that you did so. Um, So let me just turn to this side very quickly. And if you've not been inviting people to church, what have you been doing? All right. So Very, very important. Let's do this. Let's take this aggressive and personal, all right, and let's send out to everybody. You know, everyone in the GTA should plan to book a seat. When the seats are exhausted, then you are permitted to watch online, all right? So it's actual and virtual, and I can't wait to see your faces. I can't wait to um, receive you. I just thought I should um, settle that very early and make that very clear from the beginning. Praise God. I said, Praise God. Also, tomorrow happens to be the first of October. And in our morning prayers, uh, we're going to be taking a slightly different dimension. um, And if there's any personal advice I would have for you, is that please, in the month of October, do not miss any of the morning prayers. Um, Do not, please. Very, very important, especially if you consider yourself a part of this family. There is a meal that has been prepared for us, and it's going to be served. In the mornings, set your alarm 5 a.m., all right? If your day starts later, you can wake up to pray, and if need be, go back to sleep, all right? But those who rule in the day do not wake up when the sun rises. Those who rule in the day do not get up when the sun rises. They get up before dawn, and the evening, and the morning, a new day. All right, so someone got that as all the inspiration they needed to set that alarm today, to delete that snows feature. All right, because there is no use if you set your alarm for 4.55, you snooze it, 5.15, you turn on your bed, you hear in Jesus' name, you say amen, (laughs) and then you snooze it again. Before you know it, we are done, and you say you joined the prayer, you did not. All right, and please, if for any reason you miss out at any spot or point, always make it a duty um, to go back. All the prayer sessions, most I should say, Remain online, as, unless when we have any technical glitch of any sort. Praise God. I said praise God. All right, so let's go straight into the word. Our conversation so far has been on renewing the mind. It's going to get deeper. All right, today we will discuss the seven attributes of a beautiful mind. The seven attributes of a beautiful mind. The seven characters of a mind that is undergoing renewal by the word of God. And by next week, just to whet your appetite, it's going to become more granular. How do you develop a biblical worldview? How can you change, as it were, the tint of your lens to ensure that you don't see things as they are, You don't even see things as you are. You are a work in progress. You are constantly being metamorphosed, all right, conforming to that image of Christ. But while your transformation is ongoing, you are able to interpret, you are able to see things through the lens of Scripture. It's a skill and it's an art. It can be taught. It can be practiced. It can be learned, all right? The days where people need to say, this is how I feel. This is my opinion. If you don't like tickets, those days are over especially in a family like ours where the Lord has told us he's raising champions, that we are taking territories, that we are raising here, an army, a solid army. So in in, in that construct, we don't speak any out. Maybe I'm jumping the gun a bit. So very soon we will delve into it, the seven attributes of a beautiful mind. Next week, Wednesday, by God's grace, if Jesus tarries, we will take that conversation a bit further as to developing a biblical worldview. And then the Wednesday after that, we will take it really, really deep. Maybe I shouldn't tell you what the Upper Wednesday is about. We'll take it week by week. Praise God. Praise God. In case someone forgot, the Wednesday services will remain online. So we will be gathering only on Sundays for the two services, 10 a.m. to 11, 11.30 to 12.30, and we are done. All right. We have the standard precautions in place to guarantee a safe experience for you. We have our responsibilities. We have a few requests of you in terms of your own responsibilities to ensure that the space is safe for your neighbor, for the next person. Praise God. All right, bring out your Bibles, bring out your notepads, bring out your smart devices. It is time to delve into God's word together. Praise God. So I'll take it straight to our text for this conversation. Romans chapter 12. Verse 1 and verse 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Praise God. I said, Glory to God. So we've been on this journey. On the conversation of renewing the mind. Why are we doing that? Scriptures are very clear to us according to our text in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. God's will for me, God's will for you, God's will for your family, God's will for your parents. It's amazing. Scriptures cover every area of life. God's will for your children, God's will for the work of your hands, God's will for your ministry. God's will, clear, revealed in Scripture. However, The reality of that experience will need us to have our minds metamorphosed and transformed not just by being woke, not just by being exposed, not just by being informed, not just by being aware of all sorts of information. But there is a specific curriculum, there is a specific information that makes for the transformation of the believer. And that information is the revealed word of God. What that means is if all you have stored up in you is an accumulation of information, your mind is not transformed. Your mind is educated, all right? In the language of of mortals, we might say your mind is enlightened, but that doesn't change the fact that it is still great darkness. The true light that illuminates, the true power that transforms is via the revealed word, the revealed word, the revealed counsel of God as revealed through scriptures. Praise God. So we started the first part, I believe, I won't do a rundown, all right? We started the first part laying bricks on the mind transformation um, curriculum, essentially. We took it further, and we looked at the culture process, and we went to Genesis 12, I believe, where God had asked Abraham to come out of his country, from his kindred, and then from his father's house, and we broke that down in terms of its implications, country, father's house, all right, kindred, all it, it has to do in terms of identity, culture, all right, and your subculture value system. And then we took a trip to Babylon to see the recipe for effective mind transformation in terms of what is required to get best results, and we saw how that works with language, literature, time, all right, that's system of pleasure there, we, we, we discussed a lot. If what I'm saying now doesn't sound familiar, it means you missed out on that service, you need to go revisit it. And last week, I believe it was, we talked about the mass transformation process, um, Nebuchadnezzar's 90 feet image of gold, all right, and the sound of music, which are very vital, potent tools still in use today that image of gold still exists those celebrity institutions that must be worshiped the transcend culture transcend language in fact there were there, is it there was or there is there is a famous dictator in the world today i mention no names who for many years his country was walled off from the rest of the world there was no civilization there was no technology exchange there was no excha- it was just walled off it was it was it was an indictment on 21st century living because in that country there was no development, it was a dictator, if he you, if you doesn't like your face, you might die, many people know what I'm talking about already. But it was said that he had someone he admired who was a basketball player from the United States. And at the time, I think they've softened their borders trying to get some bilateral exchanges now, but at the time when that country was inaccessible to most people, at the time where entry and exit was only possible by smuggling, all right, there was this basketballer from the U.S. who was flown in just to meet with this king, because I should call him a king, not a president. It was a dictator, all right, at that level. So we see that celebrity interplay, interplay. It is still very much, very much alive today. The sound of music, I don't know if we did justice to it, but as they say, a word is enough for the wise. I trust that you have revisited your playlist and what you have there isn't just gospel songs. What you have there are spiritual songs that are edifying, spirit-building, atmosphere-shifting, all right, results-dictating um, songs because songs are very spiritual. We said all of that last week. Glory to God. I said glory to God. So very quickly... In the brevity of the time that we have this evening, I'm going to walk us through seven attributes. And as I love to say, when we use lists, maybe I should just say this. Um, Many times, for those who have a passion to criticizing men of God and to criticizing people who are building in the kingdom, you know when you're standing and someone is building, lifting a brick, you always have ideas of how they should lift it, how they can lift it better. But when you go down and your waist cringes you try to lift the block i said wow i didn't know it was that heavy you moved it so swiftly i even have i had ideas of how it could be lifted better all right many times these people will point fingers who are blame blame game experts do not and cannot all right produce any results anywhere talk less of very 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 tough terrains like kingdom walk All right, so many times when you hear things like five things, seven things, it's been bastardized and it's been bastardized. (laughs) Praise God. And it's ignorance. It's ignorance. Why is ignorance? Because the study of the mind has has, has revealed that our retainment and our containment of information is better with lists. Is better with lists. Now, it doesn't mean there are only seven attributes, all right? But that is what we are discussing today. Why am I saying this? I believe there's someone here that maybe the word for you might be a sermon titled three doors to a change level. I don't know if that message exists, but someone will say, are there only three doors? Why is it three? All these pastors, they are just motivational speakers. When you do that, you excuse the grace of God. The best you can get from that interaction is learning, information, academics. The transfer required for that shift automatically, all right? You have excused it. You've signed it off by yourself. Your brain processes when there are lists. Top 10 most beautiful women in the world. Top 5 best cars. And you see these tools being used outside? We don't criticize them. Are there only 5 cars in the world? No. But the brain retains better with lists, all right? It's a principle of retention. So this evening, I am hoping that these 7 attributes will remain with you and not only will they remain with you, but you yourself will imbibe them and you'll bring them to forth. Praise God. I said praise God. Number one attribute that we want to look at this evening is that that transformed mind, I called it a beautiful mind, All right, with no reference to the movie or to the book about that famous economist and the Nobel Prize. Some people know the movie I'm speaking of. All right, Completely, this is a disclaimer, message is not related to or associated in any form with the producers of that movie, praise God. But the first character of this transformed mind we see is, and please do not take this lightly, I've heard this before. I'm trusting God for illumination this evening, that if there's anything familiar here, that it will come in a new way to you. And the grace to run with it will be released also. In the name of Jesus, glory to God. I said glory to God. All right, so the first thing we see here is the first character of a transformed mind or a mind that is subjected to the mind transformation process through God's word is number one, that mind has principles, ideologies, and values that are founded on God's word. What does that mean practically? We hear it a lot. Your life must be based on God's word. It must be based. On, but what does that mean practically? Let me tell you what it means practically. It means that for every action, for every decision, for every value system you choose to embrace, you have found a scripture revealed to you. All right. You have you have found a scripture revealed to you i'm going to say that again you found where it was written of you you found where it was written of that matter you found where it was written of your wife you found where it was written of your children now this is not a finding that anyone can do for you which is why there is a looking into scriptures that is a discipline for a true believer for a true child of god not just the hearing of what the looking into, the beholding. Because as we behold, we are transformed to that image. All right, Part of what happens as you begin to interact with Scripture, and we will break this down next week when we talk about developing a biblical worldview. We'll talk about what a worldview is, our alternate sources of this worldview, including the no source. It's just like we have a brand here in Canada called No Name. It's a brand, even though it has no name. All right, there is a worldview that claims to be A view of no worldview, but it is still a view. And there is a way to develop a biblical worldview. Number one characteristic is that that life, that mind is founded on God's word. Everything they do, everything they say, every action they take, even as a church, every step taken is founded on revealed scripture. Now, emphasis on revealed scripture because when the next person hears that this is the word of God I have received, alright, it might not make sense to them. It might not even sound related to the matter at hand. alright. But that scripture didn't jump at you because it makes sense with your situation. The scripture jumped at you because light dawned from it. It's light that if you can communicate well, maybe someone else will get it. But most times they do not get it because it is not for them. It is a word for you, you own it, you run with it, and it forms the basis for your experience. This is how faith works, and this is how we please God. We'll break this down further, but the number one character is that everything is founded on God's word. Everything is founded, all right? I used to wonder why a lot of, I don't want to say big, but a lot of men of God that have been used in immense ways, powerful ways. Some of them don't even have big titles, some of them don't have big titles, they, they, they just go by brother, some go by just pastor. A good example is our own senior pastor, Pastor Matthew, he goes by Pastor Matthew. So am I to go and put apostle in front of my name, or bishop, not done a tenth, not yet. All right, but beyond the title, he had found it, this is me quoting Pastor Matthew, he had found it in scripture that the word says, I will make your name great, not your title great. So when you interact with greatness that has gone ahead of you, many times you want to learn not just from the experiences, but from the revelations, from the revelations. If I want to emulate the grace and the anointing, for example, that Pastor Matthew carries, I honor that grace, I respect that grace, I sow into that grace, and I pay attention to the revelations, all right, that that life is based upon. I don't try to cut his hair <laughs> Glory, someone is laughing. You can't even you can't even I can't try to dress like him. Many people get it wrong. You see greatness, you want to look like greatness, but you're not willing to pay the price to be great. You want to put something on your airshow, it shines like the great man of God, or you change your cupboard, you get all white suits and white ties. You can wear a white suit and white tie for decades, and nothing happens, not even headache is cured in that ministry because the model. Is after the outward, not the inward principles based on Scripture that these generals are found. Praise God. Praise God. I'll show us from Scripture, Psalms 40, verse 6 to 8. It says, sacrifice an offering you did not desire. Now, this is David writing at the time when the temple was in full function. And the way that they atoned for, for everything atonable for was through sacrifices. He had the audacity. This is confirmation that this must have been the Spirit of God. Not bound by time, remember, lifting him to a place where he saw the dispensation of grace. He says, sacrifice an offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. But that's what we are doing in the temple. He says, then I said, behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. This is instructive. Behold, I come in the scroll, another version says, in the volume of of the book it is written of me so what do i do when i find what is written of me let's go to verse eight it says i delight to do your will oh my god and your law is within my heart your law is within my heart what is he saying there i find in the volume volume that means many pages 66 books Multiple chapters and verses. But there are places that are source code material for you. The only way you find it is not by your two-minute devotional in the morning. It's not even by... You will need to set the word before you. And light will come by the Spirit. And you begin to find in the volume of your book. It is written concerning me. Concerning KICC, it is written concerning us, concerning my parents, concerning my wife, concerning my husband, concerning my children, concerning that job, concerning that supply. It is written, and you find the word. And when you find that word, it might not make sense to any other person hearing or receiving it, but it makes sense to you. It might not even make sense to you at the level of your head, but your spirit knows this is the word God gave me. And I am running with it. And it is my prayer for everyone under the sound of my voice that your experience with the word of God will not be business as usual. But today marks a beginning in your interaction with the deep waters. In the mighty name of Jesus, where it is written concerning you, what is written concerning you, you will find it, you will run with it. As the Psalmist said, you will delight to do his will and that will form the bedrock, the foundation of your heart. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, somebody say big amen. Somebody say big amen. Luke chapter 24, I will read verse 44 and 45. I'm going to move very fast. This is the most important point. That is why I'm spending time here. Every other one will be a breeze. So please, if you are saying X minutes times seven, we're going to sleep there. We're not going to sleep there. Praise God. He says, then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. This is another concerning me there. So there is a general scripture. There is a general Bible, all right, and then there is the word to you. The word concerning me, the word concerning your family, that even if all the men of God, they sign the documents that claims that God is a lie, church is calm, everybody has been deceived. You found something written concerning you that a document or a statement by whoever, wherever, cannot change. That's the strength of revelation concerning you, concerning me. It's a word sent to you. It's a word that you receive deep down in the Spirit. The next verse says, and he opens their understanding that they might comprehend, not just know, but they might comprehend the Scriptures. I pray for you, under the sound of my voice, that your days of just knowing are over, and that you enter into a season of comprehension, of illumination, of deep understanding, of revelation of the Word of God. In the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody say, Glory to God. Mm. Glory to God. Acts chapter 1, verse 16. Acts chapter 1, verse 16. Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas. Now, when you check the scripture that Peter, so for those who don't know, this was Peter here already taking leadership as instructed by Jesus, all right? And it was time for them to replace the one word falling away, all right? And he found where it was written in the Psalms. Judas's name was not mentioned there. It was a blank space. And that's the way scriptures operate, all right? There are promises with blanks. The Spirit of God tells you this is you. You find yourself there, you insert your name there, and it fits perfectly. And there's that confirmation in your spirit, this is you. Now, your reality might need some time to catch up with that, but your spirit is already there. You're already running with it. You're already speaking as though that reality has come to pass. For instance, we found ourselves in Scripture as a church. We found our ministry in Scriptures as a church. We are speaking those realities now. Even though what we see looks far from it, but guess who does the catching up? The reality catches up with the reality of the Spirit. So we we keep speaking it. We keep confessing it, not just positive, empty talk, but solid word based on the revealed word of God. For a believer, your talk is not cheap. For a believer, your talk is the most expensive tool that you have. You begin to release, but it depends on what you are now saying what you are saying. If you are speaking the word of God, you found where it is written concerning you. So Peter here says that the Holy Spirit spoke by the mouth of David concerning Judas. Judas would have argued, my name was not there, but his destiny was there. And then he fulfilled that scripture. It is my prayer once again that your eyes begin to open as you interact with scripture. You will find what is written concerning you and the grace to run with it is released. In the mighty name of Jesus, glory to God. So number 1 is a mind or a life founded on God's word. Number 2 is that the when you find someone with this transformed mind or with a renewed mind, they have a preset value system. We have a couple of scriptures here so I won't do a lot of explaining. The keywords there is you will think the keyword is a value system which is very important. A system of values. Remember when we talked about your father's house will be some of the things that you are ingrained as paramount to your existence all right for instance some people have values of honesty it means that under no circumstances even if there was a bullet to their head they would say the truth if the ceo is saying for this one day for this one minute just tell a lie so that we can get through the auditors and you're saying "You, you don't understand this is a value system this is the way i've been brought up i cannot shame my my ancestors at my father's house this is honesty i unless nobody asks me, all right? But if, if somebody says, what happened? I am saying, what happened? You find some people, they don't have that as a value system. They become extremely valuable. And for a lot of believers, when we're about to misbehave or step out from what we know is God's will, we begin to say wisdom is profitable to direct. It's, it's, it's a pity that a powerful scripture has been deployed for such mischievous use. Wisdom, indeed, is profitable to direct, but we, we embarrass the definition of wisdom when we use it as justification for misbehavior. Preset value system. Remember, where will those value systems come from? The Word of God. Each one backed by scripture. Each one backed by scripture. For instance, as an organization... Your, one of your value systems can be integrity, but not just integrity because every Tom D. Canary has integrity as a value system, but you found it from God's word, a place that is the foundation for your own integrity. So a big organization, a big donor comes and says, are you a registered charity? Yes, we are. We have a donation of 100000 Oh, awesome. Glory to God. Amazing things we can do in the ministry. He says, but we need you to give us a tax receipt that says it is 250000 Now, if you do not have a value system, you will take the deal. You will take it. Now, if you have a value system, follow me now. If you have a value system, but it is not preset, which means that as the situation comes we innovate, you know, we now begin to discuss it. If there is no existing value system, let me tell you what will happen. The pastor, or the leader, will call a board meeting and they'll begin to deliberate. You know, when Abraham was in the land of the Philistines, even Isaac too, said she's not my wife, said she's my sister. Another person will say, We have to be wise. This is an opportunity for the kingdom. You know many souls? You know, all sorts of scriptures will now start jumping out, flying left, right, center. Because the value system maybe was there, and I say this also to corporate organizations, value systems are not things we have in our corporate brochures or hang in our company always. They are the things we choose to live by when push comes to shove. It's not saying we, we believe in inclusion and diversity and the, all your your your, your C-suites executive picture shows no inclusion shows no diversity we care about customers people can call you people can talk to you we care about excellence there's no excellence anywhere we deliver quality every time those are just empty sounding words that a lot of companies have come to get away with but for you child of god you don't just need value systems you need them presets that means before the instance comes it is settled it is not a conversation for a board meeting I am sorry that we even came up to you as someone that could accept such a deal. We stand for integrity and we appreciate your intention to donate. But it doesn't look like your intentions are pure. It doesn't align with our values. Sorry, we'll be able to accept this gift. Case closed. Nobody heard about it. Nobody, no meeting called because there were pre-existing value systems in place. Praise God. I said, praise God. Genesis 25, I read 33, 34, and then we'll move to the next one. Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. He says, and Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So he didn't it as a value system that this thing is important to me. This thing is precious to me. As far as his value systems were concerned, is Immediate gratification was more important than the it just uh, what is what is birthright. I need food. you are having a uh, discussing Birthright. There was no document signed. All right. There was no official documentation, but it had been sealed in the spirit that he doesn't even know what it carries. Some people have disorder as a value system. Hundred things right, one thing wrong. They are the ones that will pick. They pick wrong better than microscopes. It's, it's almost like a gifting. Please, if you find yourself in that place, it's a trap of the enemy. You will never experience increase. Plug out from that. Look for ways to deploy your skills positively. All right, value systems preset, founded on God's word. Glory to God. Jeremiah chapter thirty-five, verse one. Interesting scripture. It says, "The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying." So this is God talking to the prophet Jeremiah. I want us to follow. Um, might not be a story that a lot of people are familiar with. It says, go to the house of the Rechabites. In their father's house, there was a value system. He says, speak to them and bring them into the house of the Lord. Now, so he's saying, don't have this conversation in the house. Bring them to church. Bring them to the sanctuary, to the house of God. So this is the voice of the Lord, instruction from God. True is prophet Jeremiah, the man of God. He says, Let's not do it in the house. Let's bring them to church. All right. Bring them to the house of the Lord, into one of the chambers, the prayer department room where fire falls, where the clouds are tangible. He says, and give them wine to drink. Give them wine to drink. This is God sending his prophet in the church. Give them wine, give them alcohol. Let them drink and make merry. For once, the Lord has instructed, He has overwritten the value system of our Father's house. See what happens next. Then I took Jezaniah, the son of Jeremiah, the son of Abaziah, his brother, and all his sons, and the whole house of the Rechabites. What did I do? I embarked on this journey as instructed by God. I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the chamber of the sons, all right, which was, all right, let's skip to the next verse. It says, Then I set before the sons of of the house of the Rechabite, bowels full of wine and cups. And I said to them, guys, your warfare is over. <laughs> Today is your day of deliverance. There is a new revelation in town. I'm a man of God. The Lord spoke to me. We're having this conversation in the house of God. Now, drink wine. Now, listen to what they said to the man of God. But they said, we will drink no wine. God said so. You, the prophet, came We will drink no wine. There is a superior revelation we are standing on. You cannot temporarily change it because, number one, it doesn't even conform. We will drink no wine for Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, you shall drink no wine, you nor your sons forever. So there is no day, if you like, take us to the mountain, if you like, take us to the sky, take us to the house of God, take us to the holies of holies. Under no circumstances are we going to do this. You have value systems, personal value systems, family value systems. That like you say, on oh, they say nobody is watching, nobody will ever know. But you say, no, my God is always with me. It's not as though He's watching me trying to play catcher. But I will not do this. It's already preset. It is founded on God's word. I will not do this. Praise God. There's an interesting story in 1 Kings chapter 13. I don't know if we have time to read everything, but I can do a good summary for you. The Lord had sent a young prophet, all right, to the king, and he had done what he had to do. He had finished. Maybe we should just read it. Maybe we should just read it. So what happened was, in this place, the, the young prophet had delivered God's word. He had done a miraculous sign. I wonder if you have the time, please read 1 Kings 13 from verse 1 to have good context all right. To this story now. But the man of God said to the king, "If you were to give me half your house, I would not go in with you, nor will I eat bread, nor drink water in this place." Now, what I've noticed is that when people are in the process of forming a value system, and they are tried well in that formation process, um, it's like taking bread. I'm back to my food analogies. It's like taking bread in the oven. You just finished mixing it. It's meant to be in the oven, 400 degrees. All right. Forty minutes, please. If you're a kid, try and, and that combination will blow the house. Please pardon me. I just picked random numbers, all right? And 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 you you bring it out at ten minutes. Now the truth is, you don't have paste. You are not where you started from, and you also don't have bread. You are not where you should be. You are somewhere in between, and for many people who are somewhere in between in that value system formation process, when that thing is tested, what you find is they have a lot of explanation. They are not actually explaining to the test. They are explaining to themselves. This young prophet started explaining what he could have said to the king was no. When you find people with preset value systems, they give short answers. Short answers, b- based on God's word, we can't receive these gifts. Based on God's word, we can't live together. Based on God's word, we can't engage in premarital sex. Based on God's word, we won't do this. But everybody, Yeah, everybody's doing it. Maybe. All right, but I am not doing it, and I'm not everybody. Based on God's word, these are the value systems that we preserve in this house. We don't do that. We don't do that here. Glory to God. All right? Now, it says, For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall not eat nor drink bread. All right? A lot of stories are stories explaining that the Bible says an older prophet came. And came to him. And went after the man of God and found him sitting on an oak. Then he said to him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Mm. He said to him, come home. Eat. Eat bread with me. And he said, I cannot return with you. Nor go in with you. Neither can I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place. For I have been told by the word of the Lord. Now you see there. It started well. I have been told by the word of the Lord. You shall not eat. I think that's not on your screen yet. For I have been told by the word of the Lord, you shall not eat bread, nor drink water there, nor return by the going the way you came. He even gave too much information. The man was just explaining too much. He said to him, I too am a prophet. All right. I too am a man of God. All right. You guys pray too much in your church. Chill out a little bit. We're also Christians. But we, you know, we party, we go to the beach, we go to the club. Our own Christianity is not hard like you people's own. Chill out. I'm a pastor too. I'm a Christian too. What you are standing on is the word of the Lord. He says, yeah, but an angel spoke to me ah, by the word of the Lord, saying, bring him back with you to your house. That he made bread and drink water. I don't know how long this guy had been without food for. He says he was lying to him. Now, this is a sad verse from Scripture. So he went back with him and had bread in his house and drank water. He had said no to the king. He said yes to this prophet under the guise that an angel of the Lord. Let me tell you, no angel of the Lord, no one truly sent of God will give any instruction, whether you are in an awake season, in a dream, or in a trance that contradicts the written word of God. The moment you see such, it is an immediate red flag. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Preset value system. Acts chapter 5, 7 to 9. Acts chapter 5, 7 to 9. It's a story we know very well. The story of Ananias and Sapphira. It was a family value system of lies. You know, there are families like that. When daddy says, tell mommy that she should come upstairs now. The children know daddy won't be upstairs. Mommy, everybody just is like norm, norm, accepted norm. I'm lying. You are lying, we are all lying, so there's no issues. I'm cheating, you are cheating, we are all cheating. And you'll be shocked. These are value systems in work, so called work relationships, entanglements. You are doing it, I'm doing it, we are doing it, us are doing it, we are doing it, everybody's doing it, all right? And living a frivolous life that tends only to destruction. The word of God gives us direction, all right? Delivers us from such meaningless impactless life. He says now it was about three hours later when his wife there was no Instagram, there was no breaking news, there was no Twitter. She didn't know what had happened but the family value system was consistent. She came in, said the same story got the same judgment. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Mm. Mm. Preset value system. So it's founded on God's word. Be mindful of our time. As preset value system. Number three is that this mind that is renewed, this beautiful mind as it were, it recognizes its own biases. It recognizes its own biases. And I believe this is a conversation we do not have enough of in the body of Christ. There is a Christianist way to speak. There is a Christianist way to look. There are two people now for a typical person. Maybe some wolf's mind has been renewed by God's word. There is a kind of person when you see, you size them up. Someone is probably born again. Probably, I'm, I'm not talking of spirit to spirit recognition now. I'm call, I'm, talk, I'm speaking of a sizing up based on, on your appearance. You have a tattoo, so you can't be serious. You have a piercing, so you're obviously the devil. All right, those stereotypes, not remembering that they are places that God has brought people from. And if you continue to look at them at the places where they've been brought from, you will miss out on what God is doing with them and where God is taking them to. You have locks. You have locks. You wear studs, all right. You wear jewelry. You do this. You use makeup. All sorts of biases that make us to miss out on real, solid covenant relationships. Hmm. So recognizing your own bias is a superior skill. Of a transformed mind, and I think f- for many who are in the marketplace, many who are in the corporate world, we see this is even big deal in a lot of companies and organizations in terms of relating with people. All right, the assumptions we make, the biases we make, the the the, the affinity biases, implicit biases, all of those things, cognitive biases. All right, leaning towards what you already know, seeing things that only validate the. The facts that you've already chosen to embrace. All right, all of those biases are there. A transformed, renewed mind, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, when light comes, is able to say, "I recognize my wrong this day. I recognize my wrong this day. It might be a wrong assumption. I recognize my wrong this day." And let me just chip this in here. I feel a release by the Spirit of God to say this. It is not wise for you to form opinions about people that I have not interacted with, especially when they operate in an office that can potentially be a blessing to you. I'm, I'm saying this only because I feel a release to say this, and probably because there's someone under the sound of my voice that needs this to be free in this moment. It was a man of God, all right, that I heard all sorts about, all sorts about. I, I imagined I would, must have been a terrible man of God, all right, but when it was time for me to interact with him, the Spirit of God helped me. He says, delete everything you've heard. Even if it's true, delete everything you read. This is my servant. I called him. Go, and I went there only to discover everything I had been told was a lie. Let me tell you, no one rises up by pulling others down. But the but the point here is that are there people you have opinions about? You've not even met them. Are you that intimidated by their greatness and what God is doing in their lives? Instead, you sit. You learn. What are you doing right? How is God moving with you? How can you mentor me, even not personally, from a distance? All right, please. It is unwise. It is unscriptural for you to do that. You don't. You don't inherit other people's enemies in the name of loyalty. It is foolishness, and it is not Christ-like. Spirit of God in you does not give you the ability to hate people. It does not give you ability to speak ill of people, even when rightfully so. You might be right when you when you say those things. I hope someone is getting this this evening. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. Numbers chapter 27, verse 1 to 7, all right. Moses here recognized a bias and the spirit of God. This is just one out of many examples I told you will begin to move faster as we go down here. Um, I want to read it. I also want to summarize, but because it's Bible study, let's read. Then came the daughters of Zelophead, the son of Ephar, son of Gilead, the son of Machiah, son of Manasseh from the families of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, and these were the names of his daughters, Malah, Noah, Ogla, Milcah, and Terzer. And they stood before Moses, now these were all girls, before Eleazar the priest in a very strongly patriarchal society, and before the leaders and all the congregation by the doorway. So even by numbers they were intimidated, all right, of the tabernacle of meeting, saying, Our father died in the wilderness, but he was not in the company of those who gathered together against the Lord in the company of Korah, but died in his own sin and had no sons. Why should the name of our father be removed from among his family? Because he had no son. Give us a possession among our father's brothers. Now, these are ladies asking for something that was considered unaskable for, if I can put it that way. Now, the typical response that someone today who in the capacity of Moses will have done is to say, no, 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 no. Your father had no sons, you know what the law is, you know what our culture is, even if it is not the law of our God, it is the culture of our people that you need sons for that transmission to occur. All right, and there is nothing apparently you guys have to inherit. So just marrying to someone else who has inherited something and I'll, I'll own your lots. That would have been a bias and they will have missed out. But this verse in scripture is very instructive. Moses admitted, I do not have is say on this matter if i go with my bias these ladies will miss out on an inheritance why don't i take this matter to the lord all right and that is the secret to curing your biases when you see god i'm just not comfortable around people of this color people of this tribe you'll be shocked a lot of so-called believers warning their children you cannot marry from that tribe in 2020 you cannot marry from that tribe and you'll be shocked What what Jesus did you receive? What salvation did you receive? Those biases, culturally ingrained, but in Christ we have become new. And it is our duty to shed them off. They won't be easy, all right, but with the help of God. He says, so Moses brought their case before the Lord. He brought their case before the Lord. And what did the Lord say? The Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, um, verse 7, very quickly, the daughters of Zeliphoed speak what is right. They are culturally minority, all right, culturally unheard of, but what you are saying is right. You shall surely give them, surely give them a possession of inheritance among your father's brothers and cause the inheritance of your father to pass to them. The law was rewritten because the man of God was humble enough to recognize the bias and to readdress it in light of what God is saying. It is my prayer that the gaps in your lives that are responsible for things that you are holding on to, that you should have let go. I release the grace upon your life to recognize them first, to let go of them, and to replace them with godly values in the mighty name of Jesus. So number one, that beautiful mind is founded on God's word. Number two, there is a system, three set system of values based on God's word. Number three, that mind is able to recognize its own biases. Recognize its own biases. Number four, all right, I think we're doing well for time so far. That renewed mind also is able to recognize extreme emotions and understands that extreme emotions are confounders. Now, that is a statistical term. All right, so to put this in plain English, people with a renewed mind do not make important decisions under extreme emotions. Under extreme emotions, whether it is extreme excitement, extreme sadness. No decision can be made at that time. It is a time that requires for sobriety. It's a time that requires for, if it's great, Thanksgiving. If it's not great, Thanksgiving. You you relax. You calm down. You don't make decisions, alright? Esther chapter 1. Esther chapter 1. A renewed, transformed mind does not make decisions under extreme emotions. In accordance with the law the drinking was not compulsory for so the king had ordered all the officers of his household that they should do according to each man's pleasure all right so i know we just picked it up from a verse but what was what led to this is that the king declared a party it was a mad party like today's parties don't compare I, i kid you not the most expensive of alcohol the king said don't say you've had two cups don't say you've had a bottle don't say you've had two bottles as may, he said it was an edict. If you read the verses before, anything anybody wants, give it to them. Anything anybody wants. As they were doing theirs, the ladies too were doing their own, playing. All right. I I'm not to call the name of their queen, but. So Queen Vashti also made a feast for the women in the royal palace. We all know the music they were playing. All right. They were playing. OK, we know the songs they were playing, right? So on the seventh day, this was a long time of drinking. When the heart of the king was merry with wine, another version says, when he was of high spirits, I not not I in the spirit. It was of high spirits, completely different things, completely different influences. He says, He called all his eunuchs and all of those. He said, Go get the queen. I want to brandish her beauty. I want to display a beauty. It was a wrong call, even though we know God used it for his own purpose. But it's a big lesson. At extreme moments like that, you don't make decisions. Whether you consider them simple decisions or you do not consider them simple decisions. We don't do that. Elijah's story, I believe, is still fresh in our minds. Elijah, who had done amazing things, all right? He had just called down fire, all right? He had exhausted himself, burnt out in that Mount Carmel experience, Jezebel sent him a threat, all right, and in a time when he was down, look at the prayer of the man of God. Himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. You know, it's the same way somebody receives a notice. um, The company is retrenching. We are sorry. The moment you hear, we are sorry. No, you've already disconnected. Or you've sent an application somewhere, and you just... We're hopeful. Father, let this admission come. Let this scholarship come. And you know, when the opening paragraph says we received so many great applications like yours, you already know where the conversation is going. So uh, we receive, all right. And the next paragraph is: We regret to inform you. It is my prayer that you will not receive such. In the mighty name of Jesus, any regrets being drafted with your name, we turn it around. It will be. We are happy to inform you. It will be congratulations in the name of Jesus. I take my life now, I am not better than my father's. I am not better than my father's. We saw the same thing in Jonah, Jonah chapter 4, verse 3. Moving a bit faster now because of our time. It says, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. All right, so we begin to see those extreme things come into play. There's another account in Acts, I believe, Acts chapter 12. It says, so on a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel. Now, I've read this account in the history books. It, it was really said, when the Bible tells us royal apparel, it doesn't do justice to the splendor of that garment. It was said that the garment, the material it was made of, was so reflective that no human in the history of humans... Had ever put something like that on. Now, not only was he arrayed in such special dressing, the Bible says he spoke so eloquently the people were charged up and said, "No, guy, you are not a man, you are God." This speech, this appearance, no, 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 no. The people said, "No, you are God." And without historians, without historians, worms showed up. It is my prayer once again for you, all right, that the discipline, the mental discipline to allow yourself to be under the influence of the Spirit of God and under the influence of your emotions, especially when they are extreme and you have a tendency, all right, to not listen, to not pay attention. I pray for you that there will be a supply of grace in the mighty name of Jesus. And in those moments, you will come out stronger. You will come out brighter. You will come out having done the right thing in the mighty name of Jesus. Glory to God. I said glory to God. All right. so number one, you find that such a mind is founded on God's word. Number two, there is a value system that is preset, obviously founded on God's word. Number three, it recognizes its own biases and takes them case by case to God. God, this isn't where I should be. I shouldn't, at this level of my spiritual maturity, I shouldn't be feeling envy. I shouldn't be feeling jealousy. I shouldn't be feeling hate. I shouldn't be be tribalistic i shouldn't feel a way towards a particular and some of us still do it even today oh these insert nationality oh these insert culture oh these stereotypes and some of those people might be your covenant friends covenant relationships a colleague god wants you to minister the gospel to enable a friend it's my prayer that the grace to overturn such biases and to be who god wants you to be will be released on your life in jesus name Number four, recognize extreme emotions and don't make decisions under those moments. Number five, I believe you're still with me. Number five, this transformed mind is able to skillfully develop empathy without personal experience. Now, this is deep. This is deep. This is a big issue with some of the world's biggest organizations, the ability to have empathy and not just sympathy. Now, one of the best ways, hear me. One of the best ways to develop empathy is to have gone through a situation, is to have gone through it. Remember, it tells us, Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, he says that you are being comforted, and you are able to comfort others with the same comfort that you have received, all right? So there is that dimension of you being a life giver, all right, to those who are going through what God delivered you from and what God brought you out from. So it's one of the gold standard ways of empathy. Um, Like we like to say as the best illustration, sympathy means I'm sorry for you. Empathy means I feel your pain. I can walk in your shoes. I understand where you've been. Many believers lack empathy. And we justify it with frivolous names. I say things as they are. I have only anger. I have only this, only that complete lack of empathy some of the most unmercy showing people in the world happen to be those of these folk i don't know where they got it from definitely not the spirit of god but this is where we are going even without having that personal experience without having that personal experience the spirit of god doing the work on your mind allows you to be able to develop empathy as a skill in a way that you've not gone through something but you know how to respond to it. Why? Because the scripture's compendium of scenarios and compendium of godly responses, demonic responses, devilish responses, and the Spirit of God is able to shine light and to say, when you are here, this is what you do. When you are here, this is what you do. Praise God. I said, praise God. One of the last places you want to see a Christian is when someone has just lost a loved one yeah, we, we have to visit. Of course, we have to visit. But many times, believers have not been taught what to do when you visit. Many will visit and start, they will just start rambling scriptures. Oh, it is the Lord that gives. He gives and takes away. The Lord gives and he takes away. We cannot question him. We cannot question him. And sometimes they don't know that what the Spirit of God will have you do in that moment. is just what? Silence. Now, you don't have to have lost a loved one, all right, for you to see that. The spirit of God is able to instruct, is able to teach, is even able to you from scriptures. The Bible says when Job's friends came to him in the moment of grief and mourning, what did they do? They were silent for a long time. But we just want to go there. Oh, this is this, 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 this. Someone tells you you won't believe it. I went to the doctor today. The doctor says, It is also. And the first thing someone says, also? no, where is your faith? Where is your this? Where is your that? It is true that there's power to heal. There's power to heal. John 11, 35, the shortest scripture, the shortest verse in the New Testament and all of the scriptures. It says Jesus wept. Now, Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus. Child of God, your genuine empathy doesn't reduce the power of God. It only shows that you are in touch and you are under the influence of the Spirit. You know, just I was just meditating on this and the Lord said to me, I heard it clearly and I'm going to say it. The way I heard it, someone received it. He says, "When all you have for people is sympathy, you can pray for them, at best, pray with them. But when you enter into this level of divine empathy, you are able to be moved enough with compassion to not just pray for, pray with, but also fast with them." Child of God, if you have a friend that, when you have a need, they didn't just hold you out to pray with you, but they say, "Let's fast, let's pray on this matter," you found gold treasure that relationship treasure that relationship treasure that relationship praise god i believe that speaks a lot for itself number one founded on god's word number two a preset value system number three it recognizes its own biases number four recognizes extreme emotions no decisions taken other the circumstances? I don't have to respond now. Let me sleep over this. Give me time. Let me pray. Let me seek the face of God on this matter. I don't have to speak now. Oh, pastor, it is this. Every pastor is speaking. Every church has released a statement. I'm seeking the face of God. Oh, you are not decisive. You don't take a this. You don't take a stand. Number five, skillfully develops empathy, even without personal experience, even without personal experience. Number six. Yeah, we're making good progress. Glory to God. Number six is that the one key attribute of this transformed, beautiful mind is that you find out that these people are lifelong committed learners. Lifelong committed learners. Committed lifelong learners. Learners lifelong committed. Praise God. But you get the gist. There is a, a severe investment into learning. They will read as though there's no relationship with the Spirit of God. Fire in their relationship with the Spirit of God as though there's no learning. That's the realm. That's the intersection that champions are at. Committed life, long Learners. Committed life, long learners. I, I think recently we mentioned this in one of the Sunday sermons, how Paul will write and say, bring my papers, bring my parchment. How, Jeremiah, how Daniel was able to find from the writings of Jeremiah and was able to take it to God in prayer. Reading is a lost art, not only with today's... Je- I mean, they used to say before, if you want to write something from a black man, put it in a book. I don't think that's even accurate anymore now. If you want to write something from... This generation, you might just have to put it in a book. I know there are people reading, but there are many more people scrolling. Not enough people reading. Lots of people watching, not enough people reading. And there are gems, men, treasures in books. I don't know where to begin. Treasures in books. People you will never see. People from centuries gone by. Wisdom captured and trapped on the pages of books. The answer to your question might just be in a book you have refused to read. Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Acts 1, 1 to 3. So many scriptures I could have given, but I just felt this was timely. And this is probably instructive for someone under the sound of my voice. The former account I made, O Theophilus. Now, we know that former account is the Gospel of Luke. All right? Of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach both to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive, after his suffering, I don't think you have my screen yet, to whom he also presented himself alive, after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them, he says, during 40 days. Now, what was Jesus doing during 40 days? Speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God it took out 40 days, dedicated 40 days, saying, what is ahead of these guys? Power is coming to their hands. But if this power should meet ignorance, it will produce chaos. 40 solid days, morning, afternoon, night, powerful conference with the resurrected Christ. I'm trying to imagine what an experience. Speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, child of God, I know you know a lot, but you don't know everything. I know you are at the top of the ladder in all spheres, but there is even higher there. Commit to learning. It's an attribute of a transformed mind. And when you find people with this disposition, they can learn from even the weirdest sources. They are walking, it's snowing, there's a lesson there. It's kids talking, there's a lesson there. There's that humility of learning. True learning needs humility. When you're proud, it's full. And that leads me to number seven point as we begin to tie this up. Number seven is you find that these people are epitomes of humility, epitomes of humility. Philippians chapter 2, let this mind, let this mind be you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind, I mean, this is a scripture we use, very funny, very funny. Maybe next week when we talk about developing a biblical worldview, we'll talk about the Accurate dividing of scriptures. You know what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 15? He says, Study to show yourself approved, not unto man, not unto your cell pastor, not until your head of the department, approved unto God. It means my knowledge of scripture might not impress you, but there is an approval out there that shows my dedication, commitment to systematic study, not once in a month, not once in a month revival, once in a quarter vigil, daily, daily, right there. Daily study of the word, daily commitment to learning. He says, a workman that needs not to be ashamed. Why? Because the word of truth is rightly divided. Why did I say that? I remember on campus, many times when exams were coming, there were two scriptures many times we abused. And God had mercy on us. (laughs) Glory to God. We misused, I should say. We misquoted. We misrevelated such scriptures. The the first one is um, where it says that the memory of the righteous is blessed. We took it as memory, Ram, all right, the memory, storage capacity of the righteous, me is blessed. Therefore, I will pass this exam, right, as misappropriation of scripture because the memory of them is the remembrance of the righteous when they are gone. We have fond memories of them because of the lasting impact they have left in their walls by right? being fragrances of the glory of God. This is another one. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Paul is not ambiguous in any way as to what that mind is. He said, who thought it's not robbery, even though being God? Alright, so that mind there is a mindset of humility. The moment you see someone who, a little progress, their shoulders are already up, you know they can't go find the Spirit. Because the Spirit of God is gentle. The Spirit of God is the Bible. Alright, maybe I should just show us one more scripture. It says God resists God does not leave the proud. God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. All right. I wrote here, as we begin to tie this up, low self-esteem is not humility. High self-esteem is not necessarily pride. Pride is an elevation of self. Humility is an elevation of grace. I think somebody needs to write that down. Low self-esteem doesn't equal to humility. High self-esteem is a, a healthy estimation of what you carry as a child of God. That's not pride. He says we do not boast in this. If anyone will boast, let him boast that he knows the Lord Jesus. It says pride there is an elevation of self-humility is an elevation of grace. Humility is an elevation of grace. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. It says, this is Paul speaking. Is there a screen? Sorry. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am and his grace toward me was not in vain. Now, he's not ruling the fact that he labored. Alright, he says, I labored more abundantly than they are. yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. This is someone who understands that there is nothing to be proud of God here. Yes, I labored well, it was because of God's grace. Yes, the church is growing. It is because of God's grace. Yes, I am delivering results at the place of my work. It is because of God's grace. I passed that exam. It is because of God's grace. I got that job. It is because of God's grace. Remember, pride and elevation of the self, humility and elevation of God's grace. It is God's grace that has done this. It is God's grace that has done this. Glory to God. I said, Glory to God. I trust that I have been blessed this evening. The seven characters or characteristics, attributes of a beautiful mind. Why have we learned this? So that somewhere on the pages of your heart, this is written. This is who I am. You remind yourself, I don't just take decisions. It's founded on God's word. I have a preset value system. Based on God's word, I recognize my biases. I recognize extreme emotions. All right, all of those things at work that work. Then you remind yourself, this is why I am. This is the power at work working me. I'm committed to learning. All right, there is no room for pride here. All right, and this is how we live our lives, essentially. Glory to God. Why don't you just begin to magnify the name of the Lord and thank Him for His word that has come to you this evening? Say, Father, I receive Your word. I receive Your word. Your word has shone light on areas I have tried to push away and to cover. I receive your grace to make a difference. I receive your grace to begin to do things differently. I receive grace to begin to see as you see, think as you think, do as you do. I refuse to be conformed to my world. I choose to be transformed. As I expose myself to your word, I receive light and illumination. I am able to find myself. I am able to find where it is written concerning me. I receive direction. I receive instruction by your spirit. My life will never remain the same. Thank you, gracious Father. Praise and honor be unto your name. For in Jesus' name we are prayed. In Jesus' name we are prayed. All of these attributes will be impossible if you are not born again. Which is why I just want to pray with that person. It might be one person. under the sound of my voice. You're like, wow, amazing teaching. This can't be me. No, it can't be you unless unless you are reborn jesus said to nicodemus you must be born again except a man be born again except a woman be born again except you are born again you can't experience anything remotely close to this none of this is done by our power none of this is done in our strength all of this is by his spirit and his spirit is your inheritance if only you will say yes to being a part of his family I want to pray with you this evening as you acknowledge your sin your need for a savior as you believe in your heart that jesus came for you died for you took your place he was buried but the grave couldn't hold him down he rose again and he is alive today he's alive today he wants to show his glory to the world through you i want you to yield yourself believe in your heart confess with your mouth that jesus is lord over my life my past my sin my shame my guilt is gone i received newness of life I received that abundant life. This word says that the thief has come to steal, to kill, to destroy. Jesus speaking says, but I am come to give you life and to give you life abundantly, life overflowing. There is that offer on the table this evening. I want you to receive it. Father, I agree with your sons and your daughters making this amazing decision this evening. I ask that today marks a new day in their lives as they turn a new leaf, as they let go of their old ways as they receive your life. I ask that your spirit will invade them. There is a supply of your grace to live a life that pleases you. Today, we mark a new day in their lives, a new chapter. They are brand new. Their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life and they receive by your spirit an endowment of grace. Thank you because they themselves will be filled with that joy of salvation and they will bring many to Christ. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because it is done for in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Come on, come on, come on, wherever you are. If you can, jam your hands together. Give the Lord a big shout. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by the sermon. And if you would love to be a part of what God is doing in our midst, feel free to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. To be a part of the giving, you can give by email at info, I-N-F-O at or through our website at www.kicccanada.ca But it's doing amazing things now, Miss. and we look forward to seeing you soon. Remember, you are a champion. God bless you.